Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Only Land Fan Show. My name is Kendall Lejeune, and our guest today is Nicholas Nick. Nicholas Nick is a seasoned serial entrepreneur with a diverse range of accomplishments. As the founder of Lead Mining, he has not only delved into real estate investment, but also embraced his passion for travel. Nicholas's journey isn't just about the thrill of entrepreneurship, but about the dedication he's poured into honing his craft. His approach mirrors the 10,000 hours method, pushing him to excel in various fields. From a solid 14-year foundation in the restaurant industry to three years spent at a national mentorship company, climbing from event coordinator to executive overseeing fulfillment, Nicholas's drive led him to achieve remarkable feats, including generating over $700,000 in sales during his inaugural year and nurturing a team of 24 dedicated employees. Nicholas, thanks so much for joining us. How are you today? I'm so good, man. I'm so good. Thank you so much. And let's just hats off to my copywriter for writing such an awesome bio. I thought that was, that was pretty <laughs> it was pretty rock and roll. <laughs> yeah, right on, man. Thanks so much. I'm so excited to have you. Let's start off with how did you get started in doing land deals? Yeah, so my, my main thing has really been lead generation and What's been the biggest thing for me is land found me. Like the old, we didn't land on Plymouth Rock, landed on us. So that's me with land. And land landed on me in January of this year when Joe McCall found me through our text messaging platform. And he ended up hiring us for text messaging. And I had no idea. And he goes, Nick, it went, I want to have you on the podcast. And then live on the podcast, he sprung on me that he closed two deals. And I didn't even know that. And ever since then, I get a call at least three times a week. Hey, I saw you on Joe's podcast. And on top of that, Joe also introduced me to some other people. And, and before I knew it, Land found us. And it's been an absolute huge, uh, a huge secret to our success. Yeah, that's incredible. Joe's a fantastic guy. Great opportunity for sure. So can you talk to us a little bit about your start in Legion? What did that look like at first? And then how did you grow that into where it is now? Yeah, so I, I got lucky. So years ago, I was a part of an education company. And the main thing they taught, this was about nine years ago, but the main thing they taught was direct mail. Direct mail, believe it or not, nine years ago for houses was especially starting to be phased out. And, and phased out is not the word, higher cost per lead probably a more accurate term for it, right? Everything has a, its place, right? It just depends on how much money do we want to put into it before we get an ROI. That's how it works. But so heavy on direct mail. One thing I learned was that a lot of our uh, members, students, they kept suffering because the direct mail wasn't bringing the ROI needed, right? Between the expense of the program and the expense of direct mail, the person was still feeling like they were financially wounded, <laughs> lack of a better term. And one of my, I was an executive at the time and I wasn't an entrepreneur. I didn't know anything, but I'm like, dude, how can I save these people money? How can we do marketing? And it's free. What's free? And then I realized that everyone has a cell phone in their pocket. And we started teaching almost immediately. Here's how you pull your list. Here's how you skip trace it. And you should cold call it. If you don't have the budget, right? Direct mail and cold calling is a sheer time money ratio. If you have a little bit of time and a lot of money, direct mail is rock and roll. No arguments, right? If you have medium time, 
and media money, you might want to do some cold calling until you build up the coffers that you can start dumping in to direct mail in a sense. It became a cool create your own pathway for our students. So I started implementing cold calling and it worked big time. And what happened for me was I'm still an executive. And when that time came to an end at that career, which all careers come to an end, in case anybody didn't know, but when that career came to an end, I was like, I know cold calling works. I helped shepherd 30 people to deals. I never made a single cold call myself at that time. And I went home and I dialed 300 to 600 people per day for over three months straight. And that, yeah, that was really the start of my lead generation journey. Basically, I saw someone prove the concept. And I said, that's all I need. I know I'm capable, right? Let me add them. So I started cold calling every day. It was interesting. Wow. So 300 minimum cold calls a day. Threw yourself into the fire. What were some of the biggest lessons that you pulled from doing that exercise? Number one, cold calling sucks. Okay. (laughs) And, (laughs) And it's important that we don't kid ourselves for the struggle ahead. So when I say something sucks, I don't mean don't do it. Don't lie to yourself about how much it sucks. Okay. Mm. Because we're not, yeah. Like I'm big on the, I'm big on the mindset part. Know it sucks and, and embrace let's, this is literally a, a military term, but embrace the suck. That's literally what they say. And cold calling reminds you of what that means. Okay. And so now I got lucky. And I ran restaurants for 13 years, like I said. Do you guys think I was afraid of cold calling anybody? Considering I used to walk up to people who found their own hair in food and then yelled at me about it. And I was like, <laughs> you got it. No biggie, but it's still, it's on the house. I'm not here to argue. So I wasn't scared to go toe to toe with anybody on cold calling. And so my biggest lessons were this. The closed deal is not the win you're going for. Okay. The win you're going for is the positive interaction. All right. If you can have a positive interaction while talking about real estate, then no matter what numbers tell you that enough of those positive interactions will lead to deals. And I think one thing that we do is we get so hung up on the one result that we discard all of our accomplishments as we climb up the mountain. So I'll give you a couple examples on things I really considered me winning while I wasn't closing deals, okay? And the first thing was a positive response from the seller. So if any seller ever hung up with me and they were like, thank you so much for calling today, Nick. Like, I was like, I killed it. I absolutely killed it. And I started making a joke And I was calling myself the cordial investor. Okay. And I was like, so when someone was like, oh, you're so pleasant. Oh, what a nice chat we had today. I would hang up and say the cordial investor strikes again. (laughs) Because what we're really going for is we want a closed deal, but what gets us to the closed deal? And that's a bunch of great conversations. And Because of my restaurant experience, I'm very customer service leaning. So I think I've been blessed with the ability to know that a smiling face is as good as a sale, essentially. So that was the first thing I did. The second thing I did 
and you put your finger right on it, you said a minimum of 300 dials a day. So another thing that I do is I give myself two goals every time I create a goal. I give myself my bare minimum goal, and I give myself that, dude, you're a badass goal if you accomplish this. Okay. So every day was a minimum of 300 dials. But if I hit six, I was like, you crushed it. Like you really did it. You can sleep good tonight, brother. You did twice as much as your minimum. And I do that everywhere in life. Everywhere I have a little crappy goal and then I've got a good goal. And you know what it does? Tricks like that keep you in action and they keep you feeling the momentum. You know what? I hit my minimum goal. I'm doing good. And the third thing I did, and I even have these videos to prove it, I should let you, I should give them to you as an exclusive. And I recorded my first 22 days of cold calling ever. And every night, I did this every night, I would cold call 300 to 600 people a day. And every night from 8 p.m. to midnight, because it was too late to call at 8 p.m., I would watch back those videos and I clipped them all into individual calls. So I looked back over, oh, have you guys ever watched yourself do something you suck at? Oh, (laughs) it's not fun. What happens? Your skill level triples. It absolutely triples. And the, the, oh, did I say that? Oh my God. And the cringier it is, the faster you learn. I've got a, I got a key I live by and that is, there's no better teacher than embarrassment. That's good. You know? Yeah, embarrass yourself. But anyways, those are the three lessons I learned while cold calling myself in order to stay in the game and accelerate at a high level. That's really good. So many great things to unpack in that. I love the sort of like metacognition approach to thinking about thinking, not only just not only doing the thing, but also going back and evaluating how did you do the thing? I think that you can become such a strong teacher to yourself when you do that. So love that so much. The other thing that I want to point out is that you talked a little bit about what I heard was embracing the journey of getting that positive interaction. I think that so often whenever you just think about getting the deal, I think that you lose sight, or at least it's easy for me anyway, to lose sight of the fact that this is a people business and B, that you have to nurture these people into deals. It's not just about the one deal, right? It's about those positive interactions. So really good stuff. Yeah. So, I want to talk to you a little bit now about what are some of the, the types of land deals are you seeing cold calling be most successful for? Yes. I feel like I haven't seen a lot be unsuccessful. That's why I'm struggling to answer that question. Now, there are some areas, right? You're also helping us learn those areas from being transparent. Your most recent campaign with us, with the Dallas and the Torrent and the Tarrant and the other county, right? I think that we're learning that right now, the only other time I've seen a campaign perform like that was Orlando. So literally most other land campaigns are extremely high performers, whether it's infill lots or whether it is large parcels. Now I will say infill lots are a little bit close to house territory. So if you're doing infill lots in a metro area, it's going to feel just like houses, 
Okay. So that's the one thing I will say. But if you're doing infill lots in more suburban areas, you're probably going to get those good land style results. Now, what does, what do I, when I say that? I have so much knowledge in my head, I have to get used to filtering it out properly. <laughs> now, I have a campaign at lead mining that averages 12 to 37 leads. Okay. And what I tell people uh, is if you are doing houses, I would expect anywhere from 10 to 16 leads. Okay. And then if you're doing land, I would expect anywhere from 20 or more leads. Right. And I think that's the important distinction. Land does generally produce at twice the rate as any other form of houses. And even though for on your recent campaign in those areas, it was shy for a land campaign. If we would have done houses, we would have gotten zero leads across the board, right? Because those markets, the Dallas, Fort Worth, Houston area, really tough because they're prey to so many other people's real estate decisions, right? Everyone else is choosing some of these markets. So big tips are metro areas are tough, okay? And that's the beauty of land is we're not going for metro areas because there's normally not land in metro areas, right? And so metro areas are tough. And anywhere where Disney or there's like a large national partner or large national attraction, because you got to think if Disney's there, Pizza Hut started looking 100 years ago when Disney opened up. Taco Bell started looking 300 years ago. So it's like everyone's already planting their flag. Um, So stay away from the mainstream places. I always tell people and 30 to 45 miles outside of metropolitan areas and about one to 20 acres is where we see our real consistent sweet spot. Nice. And so when you're looking at the style of cold calling, I know that your company has both foreign cold callers as well as American cold callers. Can you talk a little bit about that and and what you've seen the difference in performance has been just in terms of the response rate on those cold call campaigns? Yeah. So basically I'm all in on Americans It uh, other than one scenario. And that is we know we're going to get less leads. Maybe if you do choose Orlando, right, then we're like, okay, great. I'm okay with the Americans. We already warned me. And the the philosophy behind that is if you're going to get less leads, send in the cheaper team, right? Because why spend more if you think the results are going to look the same no matter who calls? And the reality is in these more saturated markets, it's irrelevant if it's American or a foreign person. But in these more suburban areas that maybe they get one call every other day instead of one call a day, they're like, oh, this is an American. This might be important. They can actually tell the difference. But if I'm in the middle of Dallas, Fort Worth, I'm being pounded by AT&T. I'm being pounded by Comcast. I'm being pounded by other investors. And it doesn't matter who's on the phone. I'm just getting pounded. So I'm defaulting to know automatically more often, right? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So Whenever you are working a campaign, can you talk a little bit about numbers in terms of, you already mentioned about the difference between houses and land in terms of the response rate, but can you talk about 
if someone's doing cold calling on their own and they say, okay, these are my stats, how do they know if that's if they are doing a good job or if they're doing a bad job? What are you seeing as the average in terms of your rate, connections, that type of thing? Yeah. So I love this. I love this question. I rarely get asked this, but it's probably the most important thing that I do. I'm actually looking at adding the metrics I'm about to share with you into all of my emails that include the metrics. You're a customer, Kendall. Imagine if you say, if you see, hey, we got three leads, by the way, three leads mean we crushed it. <laughs> right? You know, A lot of people, they don't know. They don't know three leads on 200 dials means this is one of the best campaigns we've ran this week. They're like, is this enough? Should I have gotten seven leads? Like they, when you don't know, you don't know and love your question. So we'll start with contact rate. Okay. Contact rate means how many people answer the phone that we call. All right. So the good news is every client, we actually, we buy three local phone numbers for every client that hires us. Okay. Now that massively increases the results of their campaign. Right now, our nationwide contact rate is 10.9%. Okay. Which for anyone who does their own cold calling, that's really high. A lot of people right now, they're seeing anywhere from five to 8% on cold calling statistics. And we buy three phone numbers. They're grade A quality numbers, which means that the carriers allow them to go through most of the time, right? Because they're grade A. So they have that top upper tier rating. And because of that, a couple things happen. We call them, they answer the phone. And since we buy three numbers, we also have a built-in follow-up system and we call everyone up to three times if they don't answer. Mm-hmm. We used to buy one number, which means that they could clearly see that it was us again. <laughs> now that we buy three, you almost have complete anonymity. I think I finally said that word right after six years, (laughs) but you have complete anonymity over the caller and they answer the phone more often. So contact rate, here's what I tell people. Five to 7% is below average for us. Seven to 9% is maybe right on average. You really want to be closer to nine. Nine to 11% is good. 11 or more is stellar. There's just no other way to put it. If we're making 300 dials and we're talking to 33 people, that's 11%. That's amazing. Okay. That's a lot of conversations on 300 dials. All right. As a way to look at it. Now, the next statistic leads generated per dial. Okay. This one's really important. How many dials should it take to generate a lead? Okay. Now with houses, if we're being realistic, it could be anywhere from 350 to 500, especially if you're doing it yourself. Okay. Now with land, we've seen our most stellar land campaigns generate one lead on a hundred dials. Okay. And our average one is probably closer to one lead in about 200 dials max. Okay. So That's how you can gauge your own performance. Now, if you're doing this yourself and you're not seeing the results, there's a bunch of different things that could be happening. We are a a refined system. One small ninja tip. If you're like, I tried cold calling, it's not working for me. A lot of people use the name on the record. Do not ever use their name. You talk about someone's father or brother or ex-husband or dead father. 
and they already know you're out. Okay. They already know you don't know anything. So here's my recommendation. You call them and you say, do you own the two acre piece of land in Galveston, Texas? Yes, I do. That's how we correlate. They are who they are. And you're also giving yourself room for it to be wrong info. What if they don't own that property and they own another one? Bam. No, but I own one in Dallas. (laughs) Boom. That's right. So really we got to be careful. So little tweaks like that. A lot of people call me up and they go, I I used your skip tracing and I didn't get any of the right people on the phone. I say, let me guess. You called everyone up and you said, Hey, Bill, how's it going? And they're like, yeah, it says their name's Bill. I'm like, look, I know it says their name's Bill. I'm sorry. I know that's confusing, but you don't care what their name is. You care that they own the property at one, two, three Sycamore street. The question isn't, look, if you're not Bill, (laughs) we don't want to talk. So we also have to be careful on when cold calling, are we accidentally alienating a lead? And that's just a a tip on how do we get such good results sometimes? Little tweaks like that can triple your performance. Yeah, that is absolutely great information. So continuing in that same vein, I want to uh, dig into your cordial investor Uh, approach a little bit more. Mm -hmm. Um, Can you talk about what are some of the main tweaks that people can be making to their calls when they are cold calling or even when they're doing follow-ups? Let's say that they get leads in from cold calls and now they are following up on those leads. But what are some tips that you have when talking to sellers to build rapport and to make sure that it is a positive interaction? Yeah. I haven't put my finger on that. So what I will say is this, your energy matters so much. Okay. We've all seen the cartoons. We all look like we're of the cartoon generation, Looney Tunes and Bugs Bunny and stuff. Right. And when Foghorn Leghorn would have dollar signs in his eyes, you could see it. And when you call these people, You need to genuinely tell yourself you care about them, okay? And when you do that, you will care about them. And when you care about them, the conversation goes further. I have a saying, and that is that if you're always hoping to say the perfect thing, you're going to say the wrong thing. If you're wondering, if you're thinking about what they're experiencing, on the phone with you, you're always going to say the right thing. And what happens is we're like, what did Pace Morby say in that video? What, what was that ninja line he used to crack that lead wide open? And the person's, yeah, my husband has cancer and I got to sell. And they're like, what? When they, and they throw out the wrong line and they're not actually present in the moment. So I think having your energy squared away And knowing that you just want to have great conversations where people like you, you will have great conversations where people like you. That's really good. That's fantastic insight. And that brings me to my next question. When people are just getting started in calling people, connecting with them, oftentimes we see people looking for and using scripts, right? Scripts are fantastic. They give you an idea of the flow and that type of thing. But in my experience, anytime someone has called me 
and I can tell they're reading off of a script, yeah. it immediately just creates a disconnect for me. 100%. So what advice would you have for people who are looking to get comfortable on the phone, making sure that they're hitting all their points, but making it not sound like it's a script right. or that they are bound to that script? Yeah, I like that. So the first thing is, your question was, what could I do to make people not feel like there's, it's important that you don't do too many mock cold calls. I can tell you, I got, I know I got a problematic employee when they're like, I want to do more mock calls. No, stop it. Only real calls. Mock calls only get you better at mock calls. Okay. <laughs> We don't want you to be better at mock calls. We want you better at real calls. So the first thing is you just got to do it. You just got to take the plunge. You got to make the real call. Okay. The next thing is to really understand. Oh, I'm sorry. Repeat the question one more time. Yeah. So the question is how can people get comfortable hmm making sure that they hit all of the points that they need to be hitting on those calls without feeling like they're bound to a, a script. So what I tell my employees is this, A, make the call. B, make it your own. I don't want you to be a Nicholas Nick robot. When, you know, I was a restaurant manager forever. And when I saw my role models high perform, I didn't steal their exact quotes, but I did the exact same thing my way. Right. And I think it's important that, like you mentioned, the script is a guide. If you can't do it better, you follow the script. <laughs> okay. That's what the script is there for. If you can't do it better, you follow the script. But as you begin to execute the script, you're going to realize there's certain words and phrases that work better for you. Here's a rule I had when I started this I would never say the same thing five times more. Okay. So once I said it five times, I said it differently. I don't even care if it worked. Okay. Now what that allows you to do is I'm split testing everything, absolutely everything. And I learned a couple of really ninja tips. I'll give you guys one right now. When someone's not interested in selling, okay. Happens all the time. The next best thing to a hot lead is your phone number on their refrigerator. <laughs> okay. That's what I always say. All right. So someone's not interested. Here's what you say. Okay. Write this down. Hey, I completely understand. Would you maybe mind taking down my direct information? And if anything ever changes, just give me a call. And when you say maybe mind, think about that quote. They're trapped. They're trapped in my word game. Yes, I mind. Oh, yeah. No, I don't. Yes. Yes. Like they don't know, no matter what they say, if they have any sense of human decency, they're going to say, of course, I'll take your number down. Of course, I don't mind. So I learned that I almost got a 55% yes rate when I said it that way. And then when you learn stuff like that, you can tell guys, if you're paying attention, when you have that rule, say it five, say it different five times and then say it different again and then say it different again and then say it, you'll realize dude, they hated the last three ways, but that first way killed it. Okay. You're going to notice what works. So those are some of the things I did. Feel free to make it your own. 
I've got a great script that I offer on our website for free. If you guys go there, it says free scripts at the top. Let that be your baseline. And I would build on it from that. I will say one thing about my script. There's no better intro. There's no better intro. A lot of people, they want to get all fancy. There's no better intro than, hey, I'm calling for the owner of the two-acre property in Galveston, Texas. Yes. Yes, that's me. Oh, wonderful. My name's Nicholas. I was just calling to see if you've ever considered selling before. Okay. Ever considered selling before is a wide open question. I don't even care if you're selling right now. Ever with your wife, with your kids. And what happens when you say that? You catch them in hesitation. No. Oh, really? Sounds like you have. (laughs) So imagine, and this is why, and I'll just touch on this. This is why I like cold calling. To anyone who likes casinos, first of all, I'm sorry. That's a really crappy habit. But second of all, I see direct mail as the slot machines. You're pulling a lever. You might get lucky. We all get lucky eventually. You pull the lever enough times, you're going to get lucky. Okay. I see cold calling like blackjack, like poker. There's a reason why World Series poker exists on TV because it's a skill based game. And with the proper skill, you can increase your lead flow. There's not much you can do on a direct mail campaign other than mail again. So it's like the cold calling, getting them on the phone baiting them for hesitation, asking them wide open questions, having great openers that don't include their names. These are some of the things we've covered today. And then it's like all these things are skill-based approaches to increase lead flow, aka lower your cost per lead. (laughs) Yeah, that's really good. And I, what I really do like about cold calling so much is what you just mentioned that you're on the phone with them and you're able to slip into some of those thought patterns that they have versus if you're texting, if it's just a one-way communication, you're waiting for them. They have time to formulate things and say things versus like you able to catch a tone. Are you able to catch that hesitation and then find a little, find a doorway in, right? That, so that's yeah. really good stuff. And to, to your yeah. point, this is the beauty of hiring an American. No offense to any Filipino caller. They don't know tones. They don't know any of those extra things. And this is the also the beauty of me. I was our first employee. I was the only employee for the first six months of lead mining five and a half years ago. And what people don't know what that means is that means that they're duplicating my system, right? And where, so all the things I'm sharing with you are our core beliefs of lead generation at lead mining. And so if I were to just hire a team of foreigners or hire a team and I said, Hey guys, knock yourself out. We wouldn't have all this knowledge. And these are some of the things that really differentiate us, the Americans. And then the fact that I laid those first bricks. So I'm not confused what the next bricks (laughs) should look like. If you're enjoying this episode of the Only Land Fans podcast, please let us know by subscribing and leaving a review. Now let's get back to the action. Yeah, that's really good. So we've talked a little bit about if people are calling on their own, let's shift gears a little bit and talk about, let's say people have cold callers on their staff and they're working to train either a virtual assistant or just a a person they've hired to be a cold caller. What types of pointers would you have for those people 
who are looking to train cold callers to be effective and successful? Wow. Yeah, that's a great question. I don't get that a lot either. And I honestly, it's scary. When you truly understand your responsibility as a leader, it's scary to take on some of these responsibilities. And what I'm going to say over that isn't meant to scare you out of it, but to meant to prepare you. Like I said earlier, we're talking about embracing the suck. If you're going to bring on employees, you need to have this shit figured out. Okay. If an employee realizes you don't have this shit figured out, they're going to take advantage of you. Okay. There's a reason why every corporation's stopping work from home programs. Because these employees realize that they could sit around, do nothing six hours a day, work for two. And the corporations are like, wait a second. If they're only going to work two hours a day, they're going to do that in my cubicle. Okay. For eight hours a day. And so have the system figured out. Three to $9 an hour employees, no offense to them. If they see a weakness, they're going to pounce on it. Okay. And if you don't have amazing systems and I'll tell you, how do we create amazing systems? You do the work yourself for the first month. That's how you have it. I'll tell you guys right now, I do every, I'm a nut job. Everything in my business, I got to do first. I don't care what it is right now. I, you can really relate to this, but I have over 500 reels I've created. Okay. Now I'm uploading them to YouTube. And I'm translating that or I'm transcribing them using chat GPT into blogs. And I've done the first 150 myself. But when I give that task out, I know exactly how long it takes, exactly how it should be done. And I can manage the product efficiently. The hardest thing about cold calling and outsourcing that is there is a lot of moving pieces. We have a script they have to follow and you have to double check that they're following it. You don't just give somebody a script and give them leads. I'll tell you guys what, you know what the most expensive part of your own cold calling operation is? The data. Everyone always thinks of the $3 an hour VA. Oh, it's only $3 an hour. Dude, they're calling data that costs a fortune. All right. And even at lead mining, we're pretty inexpensive at 10 cents with the list and the skip. We're pretty inexpensive. But if you were to get that same data from batch skip tracing, you're almost paying 20 cents per record skip traced. If that's a thousand records, that's $2,000. I think that's wrong. It's 200 bucks on a thousand records. 10,000 records is $200 or $2,000. Think about that. 10,000 records, $2,000. And you give that to a $3 an hour VA. Okay. And that, that there's so much into that. They call that in a month. Yeah. Your $3 an hour VA that just cost you 150 bucks a week actually cost you 150 bucks a week plus $2,000. They just cost you 2,600 bucks. What'd you get? And I think that it's important to understand the full ramifications. So if you're going to take this on, and guys, I was a restaurant manager. So when I talk about some of these things, I, I didn't like just, I'm not some like, idiot savant. I'm definitely an idiot. But I learned this from years of managing people that we have to have these things as figured out as possible and have a script iron out. Listen, here's what we do. We listen to five calls per week per employee, and we always supply feedback, good or bad, doesn't matter. Here's the thing. If you have an employee and they do an amazing job and you never tell them, how the hell do they know? they're doing an amazing job. 
they could be trying something different every couple of days just to impress you. And you're just stone cold. And they were made, they made you happy two weeks ago. And now they're jumping through hoops, trying to make you happy. Tell someone when they're killing it. So every time we listen to a call, positive feedback, you crushed it. No feedback, except keep it up. And, or if it's negative, we give them negative. So we follow the script. We have to make sure it's adhered to. Then the dialing. If you're having your own dialer, our cold callers dial at about 140 to 170 dials per hour. Why is this important? Because if that ever drops to 100 dials per hour, someone's stealing from you. That's why. If you don't know your numbers, you're going to be easier to be taken advantage of. And I'm not saying people are out here trying to take advantage of us, but the one time, here's the reality. The one time they accidentally screw you over, their mom comes over, they forget the clock out. They stay on the clock for three hours. I tell my employees this on their training because I tell them, look, anytime you walk away from the computer, I want you to clock out. And it's not because I'm micromanaging you, but we don't know how long you're going to be away for. And you don't either. And I don't want your mom to come over and you got the kids and then she's and then it's a two hour handoff. And then you don't, I'm not saying you're a thief, but you know what? You don't bring it up. I don't bring it up. It happens again next time. Now, every week we're paying for three hours of you not working. Right. And so I, we have to make sure that they also feel like that they're being monitored to a certain degree. Now, my secret there is I never monitor people under the guise of you're going to get into trouble. Okay. I always monitor people under the guise of great job. Hey, I, I was looking through some of the work you did. You crushed it, by the way. So it's important that we don't train them to fear us, but we train them to wait for our praise in a sense. I don't want my employees fearing me. I want them being like, did you hear that boss? Did you hear it? I killed it. I killed it. And it's, we want them hungry for that, not nervous and cowering and scared to make a mistake or to do the right thing. Yeah, that's a, that's, those are two completely different cultures or environments that you create by just one small tweak. And I think it can be so easy to, to get those wires crossed and not give your employees the right message if you're not super intentional about it. So that's a really good piece of advice. And I'll give you guys a clearer example. I was, when I ran restaurants forever, no one was allowed, no, all cooks eat for free. No cooks are allowed to eat steak or salmon. Okay. (laughs) Way too expensive. Right now, instead of going around going, nobody eats steak or salmon. You guys hear me? Instead, I would walk around going, Hey, Joey, what's for dinner tonight? Hey, Nick, I'm making a burger. Great. Hey, throw me one on too, bud. Hey guys, how was everyone's dinner tonight? I look like I'm building rapport. Okay. I'm actually watching them, but they don't need to know that. But if anyone was to say, Hey man, (laughs) I think I'm going to throw one of these salmons on the grill over here. They'd be like, dude, I don't Nick's all over it, bro. I don't know. And I learned through my restaurant career. Thank God. I learned how to manage people in a happy way. I don't do it. I do not generate fear. If you're afraid of me, I deserve the worst. And guys, just to share one last little tidbit on that. When I was an employee, 
when I hated my boss, I was the worst. Okay. And it took that self-reflection to start. I remember I had this boss every time she worked, Debbie, I miss you. Okay. You were (laughs) awesome. I may have been 20 years ago, but I miss you. And I remember she worked and I'm like scrubbing harder. I'm like underneath the equipment, like tearing it up. And then someone else works and I'm like throwing food behind the cooler. I'm like totally being disrespectful. And I was like, you know what, Nick, this is true. This is a true story. When you're a leader, you need to be, I want to inspire you to be the guy digging out from under. I don't want to inspire you to be the guy who's sweeping it under. And I knew I had that power at an early age because I saw that behavior in myself quite transparently. And so I ended up learning how to motivate positively through that. Yeah, that's really good. That's really good insight. So many great lessons in leadership management right there. Really good stuff. Let's shift gears a little bit and talk about lead conversion. You are a master at lead gen using cold calling to to create leads. What are some of the biggest mistakes that you see people make when it comes to converting those leads into actual deals? Yeah, I, I, there's, I, I feel like I'll probably come up with eight, but I feel like there's two. The first thing is they don't call the lead. And Kendall, I offer those weekly one-on-ones to all my clients. And I get, man, none of these leads, none of these leads look good, man. I just, uh, uh, you know, did you call them? No, should I have called them? I don't know. When it's, I'm always like, hey, man, like we got to call every lead. And so the first mistake is we get prejudice, right? Prejudice means we prejudge, okay? And we have this negative framework that we accidentally use. The first mistake we make is we get a lead. And what we do is we look for every reason not to call them, right? And then especially if you're in land, one thing I've noticed about land people, no offense, guys, I'm a nerd myself, but they're a little nerdier, okay? They like the numbers more. So they're more, they're on that Zillow, they're on the land websites, they're on all the stuff. They're, how many acres is it? How much square foot is it? What do we got going on here? To put in the calculator, let's see what's going on here. And so it's, they're really dissecting into the data. Don't let anything scare you from calling that lead. And if you catch yourself constantly talking yourself out of the lead because of your research isn't working, okay? You have to call every lead and have a positive attitude. The same thing we taught, let's go all the way back to our first cold call, the cordial investor, right? That attitude cannot leave us. We have got to have a good conversation with that lead. So having a really optimistic attitude, okay? Actually calling the lead. And what do I tell myself? What I tell you guys, I got a minimum goal and a maximum goal. Every lead is worth two to five minutes of your time. If they're a total asshole, hang up on them. You don't, even if they are an asshole, I don't care. I don't give a shit if you're going to make me $20,000. You're rude. Okay. Like, I don't care. And so it's, even if they are that way, you're in control. And if the call's going great, I say, I would never hang up that phone. And I think it's that simple. And what we do as our human brain tells us to disqualify this lead at every turn. I had a customer earlier on one of my weekly consults. Nick, he told me he wanted 280000 for the house. 
Okay. Well, did you look it up on Zillow to see where that was? Well, no, no. What I did, Nick, is I accidentally told him that this thing, I'm probably not a fit. And I was like, the house could be worth $450,000. You don't know if he's not a fit yet. And that literally happened today. This isn't like a, a spiel. This happened today. People are always discounting. And he goes, Nick, tell me, give me the words to backpedal. And, and I did. And I said, look, hey, call him up. Tell him you spoke to your partner and you got two opportunities to help him. One is if, if the price is high, one is creative finance. And the other one is you can connect him with the realtor. Because other than getting a hot lead, other than getting their name on a fridge, the next best thing you can do is give it to a realtor. And the reason why that is, is because the next best thing you can have is a realtor who's looking at properties all day, thinking about the guy that just gave them a free lead. Guess who's going to get the next free lead? That's you. So I try to follow that process. But optimism, calling every lead, and not psyching yourself out. We have to be aware of our patterns that stop us from being successful. And one thing I'll share is my mentor, Chris Montalego, I love you, dude. Thank you for everything. He was actually a New York stockbroker. And every day during my cold calls, my 300 to 600 a day, he jumped on Zoom with me every day. When I say I recorded those calls, I recorded them with him. And he critiqued me and boy, was he tough on me. What he used to say to me, is I would get generate the leads, he would close the deals. And he would say, Nick, tell me what this lead said, and I want you to lie to me. And it's because he knew it doesn't matter if they want to sell or not. It matters about how he feels about the lead before he called it. And I think there's so much wisdom in that. Yeah, that is really good. I, I want to drill down even deeper to some nuts and bolts here. So how, in, in your experience, let's say someone is, they're, they're running a land business, they've, they're wearing all of the different hats because they're the solopreneur, maybe they have a yeah. VA that works for them, they've got leads coming in from cold calling. Um, how quickly should they be calling those leads back? And what are some systems that they can build around doing that in an efficient, in an efficient manner? When we generate a lead ourselves, we, you get an email the second it's generated and you get a text saying that you got an email, okay? Now, I always say with land, you probably have 24 hours, okay? Land, you are afforded a little bit more slowness, okay? Because there's not 20 people calling them about this. Now, would I take the 24 hours? That's your call. If I were you, I would say one hour is the goal. 24 hours is the max, just how I always give myself a minimum and a max, okay? And that would be my first step. The next step is consider the pace of the seller. There's this really weird thing that happens with sellers. doesn't matter what they're selling. But I've learned the people whose land or houses actually is for sale already are the biggest assholes, <laughs> which is so freaking confusing because I'm, we're actually buyers. Why are you being rude to me? I'm sorry. I didn't find you on Zillow. I found you <laughs> somewhere else. Okay. You're right. You're right about that. Yeah. They're so rude. They're so Crazy. rude. And you know what, guys, I'm a big fan of putting people in their place. Okay. And you know what? If someone wants to be rude to you 
and you're a buyer and they're a seller, I would text them afterward and be like, I'm sorry I didn't find your property on Zillow. I'm still a buyer and I'm not going to buy your property now. Because it's, you know what? Screw those people. Okay. And it's, they have a bad attitude and you're never going to sell that property. And if you do, imagine how nice that person has to be to put up with your shit. Anyways, little side. (laughs) (laughs) But what was the question again? (laughs) So if someone is busy, they have all, they're wearing all of the different hats in their business. How can they go about systemizing? They say, I want to call these leads as soon as possible. They'd have to drop everything or, or what have you seen in terms of systems to be able to efficiently be calling these leads back? Yeah, I would definitely shoot for an hour or 24 at most. Then what I would do is if you miss them, you text them. Absolutely. Hey, you spoke to my partner about your piece of land in city state. We got to leave it wide open. We got to be ready for the data to be wrong. We got to be ready for the notes to be wrong. But to fight that, we fight that with vagueness. Okay. Hey, I was calling about the two acre piece of land you own in Florida. Who gives a shit? Talk about the whole state. Who cares? It's better you get it right. And then text messages are like billboards. How many calls do you guys miss? And then you get a text and you're like, oh shit. I actually actually needed to talk to that person. I'm glad they text me. Give that seller that same opportunity. Then if they miss that, I would call them three times per week for two weeks. Okay. And I would always follow up with the text. All right. And I'll tell you guys a little story. You could say, ah, God, that's annoying. I'm annoying them. I had a property. I had a guy agree to a contract price to me for a piece of house, for a piece of house, for a house. And he didn't answer his phone for three weeks, but it was going to be my first contract ever. So do you guys think I was going to stop fucking calling this guy? Okay. Cause I didn't, I called him every day for three. It became a joke. Hey, let's call Joe again. Huh? He's not going to answer. Hey, screw it. Let's call Joe again. The cordial investor attitude. Like I made fun of it. Who cares? It takes me three minutes, whatever. It's worth it. One day Joe answers. Oh, Nick. Oh, Nick, I'm so thankful you've been calling. Let me tell you, my son was in a bad car accident. We've been in the hospital the last two and a half weeks. We've been so overwhelmed. I love your follow-up. It shows you want to buy the house. Give me another week. I'll get right back with you. Okay? And that's exactly right, Brad. And we want to tell ourselves we're annoying these people. The reality is they need us to annoy them. That's why you're going to get the house for 50 cents on the dollar or the piece of land because you put in the work that nobody else did. So call them within an hour, best case. Call them by the next day, the worst case. Always call if you miss them, hit them with the follow-up. When you call them, you want to move at their pace, okay? You want to move at their pace. And how do we assure that? Well, you assure that by moving slower to start. I can tell you right now, if they're in a rush, you're going to be the first to know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, look, yeah, we need it. Someone's got cancer here. We're hurting. Let's go. And if they're on pace, you're going to know. But if you start too fast, you're going to burn that lead. I always say leads are like a deer in the woods. If you want to approach that deer, you're going to have to do so at its pace. You cannot rush its process. If you do, the deer runs off into the woods and I guarantee you, you're never going to see it again. So keep that approach to sellers. And where did I learn that from? Restaurants. 
in restaurants, when you go to the host stand and the hostess is supposed to seat you at a table and she's supposed to walk at your pace. Have you ever had a hostess walk too fast? You're like, shit, where the hell am I? It happens all the time. And if that was a seller, they just go to a different restaurant. But now, so keep in mind, pacing is extremely important. So timing, follow up on no answers, and then pacing and moving at their pace. You want to be commensurate to their speed. You want to match their speed. Otherwise, they're going to think you're not taking them seriously. That's really good. That's gold right there. Can you talk a little bit about, from a mindset perspective, people that are maybe afraid of saying the wrong thing on the phone, or they're afraid of bothering someone, or they're afraid of making someone upset, or they're, they're just afraid in general to hear the word no, or to get some type of rejection. I know that you talked about embracing the suck and being a cordial investor, but if someone doesn't have that mind frame, what are some things that, that you can offer them to, for them to figure it out and it settle in their soul that it is okay and allows them to keep moving forward. Yeah. So I think one, I'm so lucky because I'm a mathematician and I've got a great attitude. So let's talk about the mathematician. Let's drop my attitude out of it. Let's, Let's kill the cordial investor for a minute and just talk about the math. Okay. So I tell all of my clients that my average client closes one in 12 to 20 leads. Okay. So when someone calls me, and they go, Nick, I got 10 leads and none of them closed. I'm like, okay, well, okay, okay. All right. You know what? That makes sense. That makes sense that none of them closed because <laughs> the Kindle's already laughing. This is what seasoned guys laugh at. But no, it's the reality is if one in 12 to 20 close, I always remind my clients one in 11 to 19 don't. Okay. How many do we need to go through? So Let's reverse engineer that. If I hear a no on the phone, technically every no, I'm getting closer to a yes because no's are natural. Of course, not everyone's going to want to sell. So the math I utilize to show me the numbers, okay? And this is also why it's important to track your numbers. If you know that out of every 10 people you call one answer, then that 100 people you call 10 will answer. And if you know that one and 15 people that answer say yes, then you know that when you're at 14 people and you have all no's, a yes is right around the corner. I remember watching my dialer in my young years going, all right, we had a 10% answer rate back then. It hasn't, it's only gotten better oddly over the years, but I remember watching, okay, nine people have been dialed. No one's picked up. Someone's about to answer. Someone's about to answer. Because when you're cold calling yourself, I don't know if you guys know, but you're just sitting there. Yeah. Okay. 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 Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, one, two, three. Are you the owner of a uh, one, two, three? So you're just like waiting. You're literally like a greyhound waiting to be let off at the track. The dialer beeps and you go. So it's, I used to count the dials because I didn't want the call to catch me by surprise. So when you start to know your numbers, you start to know when you're going to get a yes and when someone's going to pick up the phone. You literally start to predict the future when you know the numbers. So That was one of the things I often did to help my mindset is I know I'm going to get a no. And that's why back to the cordial guy, the best thing I can do is get a no while they're smiling at me. So the other thing I would say is this is disgusting, but it's true. 
Human nature is to prey on the weak. I'm sorry. It's probably not even human nature. It's every nature. You see a weak cat come around, bigger, stronger cats attack it. You see a weak lion in the forest, other lions kill it. That's, that is what happens. It is nature to prey on the weak. If you call somebody, and I don't mean you're weak, but you appear, yeah, hi, uh, yeah, I'm, uh, yeah, ooh, uh, uh, they will eat you alive. What the hell are you calling about, boy? The hell going on over there? The cat got your tongue? Yeah, they can hear. I remember, and this is true. This is true. This is true. I, the day I quit my job working, I already had lead mining up and running. And my last, and then my business blew up. And then I asked to quit my job. And they asked me to put in a one month notice. The day, the last day of my one month notice, I was cold calling for myself. And this woman was like, what, huh? You suck. Whatever you don't quit your day job. I swear to God, I started crying. I swear to God, I was absolutely at my weakest. And I don't know if you guys ever quit your job to invest in yourself, but on the day of doing that, if someone tells you not to fucking do that, it is the most painful thing. Uh, This is a true story. But what I'm getting at is whatever you think they will say, whatever you're scared of, they will attack. So if you go in and you're like, I'm going to have a great call, I'm not scared of shit then you will have a great call. But if you go in, I'm sure we've all seen like that crocodile Dundee when it's, oh, they smell fear. When it's like the sellers smell your fear. And if you can go in less fearless, you will have a better conversation. That's fantastic. Good stuff. Good stuff for sure. So what's your definition of success? After all these years, It's doing whatever the hell you want to do. I'll be honest with you guys. I can't believe I'm at where I'm at. I'm going to make 650,000 net this year, 750,000 net. And uh, seven years ago, I was at 70K gross. And I look at movie stars and I look at the Clintons (laughs) and I'm like, there's no fucking way in the world I want to be them. There's no way in the world do I want paparazzi around me. There's no way in the world. You know what I want to do? I want to sit in my, I'm in my house right now with these murals. I got them 360. I want to be at home. I want to be on my own. I want to take care of my family and I want to do whatever makes me happy. Now, I spent a lot of years in restaurants and I share that to say, I know it doesn't make me happy. I know that someone telling me where my feet belong doesn't make me happy. And there's no such thing as a remote restaurant. doesn't exist. Okay. And for 13 years, I had to drive an hour to a building, work there for 13 hours, and then drive an hour home. And I hated that. And so I built lead mining with the end in mind. And now I'm literally... I not only operate lead mining, a million dollar company with over 30 employees, but I take part-time work as an executive with another education company that I then as a passion project, I help them improve their education because I have the bandwidth that my business afforded me. And I'll tell you, I go, and this is one, one little story I'll share with you guys. 
three years ago, I was invited into Batch Skip Tracing's corporate offices. You guys may know them. Okay. The biggest guys, period. Okay. They all drive Lambos. They really do. Okay. That's not a joke. They do. Look them up. I like those guys. And at the time, I was a baby. I think we did 700,000 that year in sales. I was like, man, I want to be these guys. I want to be these guys. Oh, I got to check this out. Like, come to our corporate office, check it out. And I show up to look at this building. This building was $500,000. Oh, look at all these employees and their offices and their desk. And, and I meet with the owners and their eyes were bloodshot. And they were stressed out. And while I'm there, someone runs in. Oh my God, the fire, the house is burning down. And we got this problem and we need your help. And I remember leaving that place going, oh my God, I don't want that. I don't want that one bit. And so I share that whole story to say, don't confuse your definition of success with what you think you want. Because it's not what you think. Okay. It is not at all. And Really focus on what brings you happiness and what that looks like. And I can tell you, at first, if you're making a lot of money, it might look like a buying a lot of shit. Like maybe you mural your whole living room or something. <laughs> but <laughs> in the end, you realize what actually makes you happy. And I'm actually in a big mode right now, which is probably why you asked, Kendall. But I'm on a big simplification mode where I bought a lot of things. And I, that's like a rite of passage. And now I know what makes me happy. And it's my, I, I also lost my father last year. That was a huge wake up call. And it's all about family. It's all about time. And it's all about what can I do to secure more time? And if the time is more expendable right now, because I'm only 38 and it is, I want to grind my ass off till I'm 45. But as soon as I have 45, I'm pulling the plug and I'm recouping on what I'm doing. So, my definition of success is to make sure that you're following your definition of success and that you're not accidentally chasing something you saw someone else do and you think that's what you want. Yeah, that's powerful. That's really good. <laughs> What's been your biggest surprise in your real estate career so far? How much I hate houses. Dude, I, 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 dude, maybe it's tenants. Maybe I meant to say tenants instead of houses, but houses suck. And I'm not saying that because we're talking about land. I own a house. It hadn't, it had bad tenants. Then it had a pipes break. And then the pipes broke and the tenants got out, thank God. And then the insurance replaced the pipes. And then the day they turned the water back on, the pipes and the ceilings broke. And I'm like, and now then the insurance company drops me <laughs> and then no one else wants to insure me. And I'm like, I didn't even do anything, but freaking <laughs> buy a house. And I only share all that to say that houses are full of liability. And my biggest lesson is I'm done pursuing shit that keeps me up at night. And real estate is too expensive and it keeps me up at night. And I like real estate, but I will no longer be managing it for the rest of my life. I will always have a property manager or I will always make real estate deals with other people if I'm buying a house that the other person's managing. <laughs> it keeps me awake at night. So that's been my biggest surprise is, is how I've aligned with my hatred uh, for being a landlord. <laughs> <laughs> right on. You could go back and teach yourself 
three pieces of advice when you were brand new in this game, what would it, what would they be? One would be lean into affiliate marketing earlier. Um, in my early years, my business was a baby and affiliate means you go to other people and you ask them to bring you business. And I didn't do that. And batch skip tracing beat me to it. And I remember the year that they went to all these influencers and got them all signed up because that was the year all those influencers kicked me out of their Facebook groups. And that was the year I had to adapt because they were like, hey, I've got this sponsored thing. So get out of here, bucko. And it was because I was a young and secure entrepreneur that I did not want to give a percentage of my sales away yet. However, what I gave up was market share and profits would have been tenfold. Now, I didn't lose any money. I'm very thankful for my path. But if I wouldn't have been late to the affiliate game, I'd probably be a $5 million business now instead of one. Yeah, that's good. That's, yeah. that's really good. So are there any thought leaders, entrepreneurs, business owners that you really like to read their stuff, follow their stuff, anything like that? One of them's dead and his name's Stephen Covey. Okay. I absolutely live by the seven habits of highly effective people. I've listened to it over five times. And, and whenever I'm st stale, I listen to it again and it unstales me. Uh, that's one thing. The other one is Alex Hormozy. I think that Alex kind of remind, he, he's like a really advanced version of me. And I only say that because I'm good at making slightly complex things sound simple. He's good at making extremely complex things sound simple. And one of my favorite things about Alex is I just really pick up on his lingo. And I don't think there's a lot of influence. If I was to name him, it'd be Gary V, Alex, and Stephen Covey. And I think all three of those are like super noble, super reputable people. They're all very alike. Gary V, in case you guys don't follow him, he's not old. And his message is so strong. And I built my entire business off of lead with customer service, lead with serving the hell out of your customer and the heart that he does. And I don't think anyone brings the heart uh, like Gary V does. I don't think anyone brings the business operations like Alex Hormozzi does. Yeah, really solid, really good stuff. What makes you feel inspired or like your best self? Creating. I've learned that I am a creator and that I also got to be careful because we have a lot of packages at lead mining. I've committed to never creating anything else at lead mining, uh, for example, because I'm such a crazy creator. Um, <laughs> but so now I look for that in other ways. I love expressing myself. The murals is one. All of my cars are completely custom, custom colors, custom wraps. I love the fact that if you see something weird and you're in my hometown, that my friends, that's probably Nick. <laughs> and so I really think expressing my unique self and being really authentic, I take those things for granted, but other people remind me every day how I had a girl cheat on me five years ago and I Facebook memories 
God rest their soul, uh, reminded me, oh, hey, here's you professing your love for this girl that was cheating on you the whole time. And I shared that post on Facebook. And I was like, this girl was cheating on me for two years. And I said all these nice things. And not that I was wrong, but I was being delusioned. And I don't share that to defame the girl. I share that because nobody is ever talking about shit like that. And a lot of so you, I get calls. Or, dude, I can't believe, dude, that was crazy. Why did you post that? That's so personal. And I get other calls. Wow. The same thing happened to me, man. And like people they'll start and I don't do it for the validation, but it's interesting to see like the super private guys are like, wow, how could you say that on social? And then the people that have been wounded are like, wow, I really appreciate that. How did you get over this? I'm going through this right now. And that when you're extremely authentic and you get a duly authentic response from it, I think it's definitely me doing my best self. <laughs> yeah, I love that. So good. Well, Nicholas, I want to thank you so much for giving to us today. You've been so generous and uh, just shared so much of your knowledge and experience. How can we give back to you right now? What types of connections or resources are you looking for currently? Yeah. So the beauty of us is any real estate investor, anyone that needs leads that wants them for less than what they're currently getting them for, or maybe they're not getting any at all. And they're tired of figuring out where the best list is, what the best script is, who's what skip tracing company they should use. Any investor type can definitely check out leadminingpros.com and just send a friend on over. Kendall, I believe that we have a coupon code as well for everybody. I don't remember it off the top of my head, but I bet you do. <laughs> Only land fans. <laughs> Only land fans. There it is. That's what it is. Yep. But yeah, if you guys use that coupon code on anything, you can even tell your friend the coupon code. I don't care. Spread it all around. Anyone who uses that will save $1 on the website, but we will deliver 10% more of whatever you purchase. And, and most importantly, I don't really care if you guys make a purchase, but what I would love to do is really meet as many of you as I can. And my cell phone number is on the website. And I also have a link to book a call with me on the website. And you, you're just going to get more of what you got today. <laughs> if you guys want, feel free to bring questions if you want a one-on-one. -on -one. But I really love meeting people. And it's probably the restaurant manager in me, but I love going toe-to-toe -to -toe with customers and potential clients all the time. So if you guys just want to value add or anything, feel free to reach out. I love it. Thanks so much for that, Nick. And I can attest to anytime I ever have any questions, anytime my students have questions, they can just reach out to Nick and he's right there to answer. And uh, it's been really awesome working with you. So really happy to share the love with that. Nick, I want to thank you so much again for your time. This has been absolutely wonderful. Just a wealth of information and uh, so loved having you on the show. Thank, thank you all for your questions, for joining us. Have a great week. We will catch you in the next one. If you're interested in hearing from other seven-figure land flippers about how they've started and run their businesses, then join us at OnlyLandFans.com. Looking forward to seeing you there.